Hey there, this is Jessica Stewart, and you are listening to Finding Your Calm with Your Teenager, episode number 10. Anyone out there have trouble remaining calm when dealing with your teenager? I do, and I did, still do a lot of the time, and that's what this podcast is about. I truly believe that if you can remain calm with your teenager, you can pretty much remain calm in any situation. So listen in for my tips and really practical advice for how to do this in your own life. Stay tuned. Welcome and I'm so glad you're here. I am talking today about worrying. And this is a topic that I am so familiar with, and I will get into that a little bit later. But I titled this episode as, What If Worrying Wasn't Necessary? And I kind of did that on purpose because worrying mostly goes along with the what if questions. What if this happens down the road? What What if this leads to this? So I kind of did a little bit of a play on words, but also... The idea that worrying not being necessary as a parent, especially a parent of teenagers, I find, which is when they're out there more independent in the world, doing things that we have less and less control over as they get older, um, worrying kind of becomes a part of the daily life with teenagers. If you tend to be somebody who worries, then this podcast is for you, as am I. I I believe I've been... Worrying, I don't know, maybe since I've been born. I kind of wake up worrying in the morning. I uh, open my eyes or I'm laying there in bed and I think, okay, what do I have to worry about today? That's sort of how I structure my life. So this is a an action and I've come to call it a habit because we tend to kind of put worry as a feeling or an emotion, but it actually is a, a habit and an, um, an action that we take that tends not to be very productive. And I will get into this a little bit more as well. So in this episode, I want to talk about uh, a little bit more about my own journey with worrying, what the actual definition of it is, and why we think it's necessary, and also why it makes sense that we do it. I think anytime we do something that is uh, problematic for us or something that we want to stop doing, because I think we can all agree that worrying doesn't feel good. It feels like it's productive in some sense to our brain, but it doesn't actually feel good. It's helpful to start out with understanding why are we doing it? What are we getting from it? So we'll talk about that. And I do want to share a personal story just about uh, something that happened pretty recently, I would say with my son. And at the end, I'll finish up with just some questions you can ask yourself and some practical tools for you to try on. As always, I offer you these things. I don't say that you have to do them or this is the only way, but these are things that have been particularly helpful for me in my journey and how to worry less. And before we even begin, if you're sort of an all or nothing person, which I tend to be, I just want to banish worry from my life forever. I want to banish anything that's uncomfortable from my life forever. I think most humans would love to do that. Just hit that easy button and all the things that trouble you are to be gone. Just want to outline here that we're not looking to 
worry about worrying and make ourselves wrong for doing it and to banish it forever. And if you are a person who tends to worry a lot, you um, are not looking for getting rid of it altogether. It's just helpful to, at the very beginning, just understand where it's coming from and work with it a little bit. And likely you won't get rid of it forever and for good. And if that's the goal, then you'll always be failing. So well, let's just look at it. And that's what this episode is about. So um, as I told you, I literally most mornings I've been trying to be more conscious of this, but I wake up thinking, what do I need to worry about today? And I've been recognizing more recently is that as soon as my um, brain kind of wakes up, I search for, or my brain kind of searches for the things that are, could be potential risks or ways that I might mess up that day or things that I might do wrong or things that I'm about to do that day that I think I might not be able to handle. And this is also part of the a kind of a natural part of your brain. It is your primitive brain that shows you the things that you need to look out for that day. And your brain is trying to protect you. So I like to look at it that way. And when I wake up thinking about what I need to worry about, that is really where it stems from. But then it also becomes a habit. So I'm not sure if that's true for any of you out there listening, but that's sort of where my worry habit is. And I know that I um, do this more, probably more than the average person. And I do it to the point of it's becomes a problem for me that I can be sitting there. You can look at me. I will look okay. Like everything's going fine. But in my brain, the, the pattern of worrying is more circular. It's not really getting me anywhere. So the definition of worry, I looked it up and took it from Brene Brown's book called Atlas of the Heart, which is a wonderful book if you are interested in looking at sort of more definitions of emotions. There, It kind of goes through um, an exploration and also based on a lot of research for um, defining emotions and where they come from, what they mean, a little bit more about them. So in that book, she describes worry as a chain of negative thoughts about bad things that might happen in the future. And then she goes on to say that the research on worry shows that those of us with a tendency to worry believe it is helpful for coping, and it really is not. Um, They also believe that it is uncontrollable. So these are the people who worry, believe that it's uncontrollable, which means we don't try to stop worrying. And then we also try to suppress worry thoughts, which then anything we try to suppress Um, anything we resist persists. You've probably heard that expression before, but this actually strengthens and reinforces worry. And like I said, I believe worry is a habit that can be changed and we can look at it and work with it. So why does it make sense that we do it? And I'm going to repeat here, anytime we have a problematic behavior or a behavior that we think is a problem that we want to change it, it's always been, it's, it always is so helpful to look at the reasons we are doing it in the first place and why it makes sense that we do it. So this is way better than berating ourselves for the behavior. Um, this can work 
the berating of ourselves to change a behavior can work in the short term. So that's kind of the argument that people use to do this, like really harsh um, extremes that people put on themselves and you try to tell them you need to be kinder to yourself, then people will kind of put up the argument. Um, well, it's it's worked for me before, but it, it can work in the short term, but it doesn't work in the long term. So just really looking at why the behavior makes sense from a place of curiosity and not from a place of uh, berating yourself about it. So here's a, the reasons why it makes sense. So it makes us feel that we are doing something about something that we can't do anything about. So worrying is always about a future event and we can't control a future event. We can only control what's happening right now. So the things that we worry about are things that have not happened yet. They're potential things that could go wrong. They're not actually things that have happened. And the worry thinking is very circular in nature. So it doesn't leave you to, lead you to any good, uh, actual, tangible steps that you can take in order to help what's going on. And because you're always in the now, you can't get your, solve a future problem because you're not in the future and you never will be in the future, if that makes sense. It also makes sense because society often tells us that good parents, good caregivers worry about their children. And it's just what we do. And so when that is handed to you, as I believe it's handed to me, like if, if even the title of this episode is sort of controversial to me, which sounds crazy, but what if worrying wasn't necessary? Like what if we didn't worry about our kids? And I kind of even hesitate putting that out there because people will say, well, what kind of parent are you if you don't worry about your children? But just think about it for a minute. Like what if good parents didn't worry about their kids because they knew their kids could handle whatever came up? You could put it that way. And that's within the realm of possibility. But what if you just said to somebody, well, I don't, I don't worry about my kids. What would they, like I just, as a person who worries, I think that if I said that to somebody, they would be like, what? You don't? What kind of parent are you? So just interesting to play with that thought because we just are handed that with the parental job description. Like you must, to be a good parent, you must worry about your child all the time. So makes sense, right? Society tells us that. The other thing that why worry makes sense to us is because pretty much headlines in news offer it to you every day. And it's actually even in the title of the stories that you might read. It'll say something like, should you be worried about this, the side effects from this drug or, uh, what should I worry about today? Like imagine yourself, you're sitting there, you wake up in the morning and you're feeling good. You're having your cup of coffee or whatever. And then you open your news app and the headline comes up and says, what you need to worry about today, or should you be worried about this? Or how worried should we be about this future event that could potentially happen? So just notice that we're handed it as a, as a society, that worry is kind of 
normal, natural, inevitable. We can't really do anything about it. It's the, it's what we're destined to have happen in this lifetime. Okay. And it also, I think I've said this in the first point, but it gives us a false sense of control. We actually feel like we're doing something by worrying when we're not. And when you're worrying, you're literally just sitting there, your thoughts are spinning around, or maybe you're doing something to kind of get out of that anxious feeling of worrying. It also can sort of keep us from taking action. So say there's something that we're um, nervous about doing, or it puts us kind of out there, like we have to put ourselves out there, or we have to start something and take action on doing maybe a skill that we are not, don't feel we're very good at. So worry can also kind of go through our heads and and think, oh, okay, well, this could go wrong and this could go wrong and this could go wrong. And then it prevents us from actually taking action, which in a strange sort of way, it's like, again, your brain is trying to protect you. And the other thing that I've heard people say too, is worry pretends to be necessary. So I think all of the things I said before allude to this statement and somebody, I heard this statement from somebody else too, but it seems like it's necessary and inevitable. And so that is basically how this makes sense. Like in anything we're looking at, we start from this frame uh, standpoint and then we don't think, oh, we're wrong for being a worrier or anything's wrong with us. It just means that we're a human being and we can do some things to help. So I'm going to offer just a little personal story about something that happened with me probably within, uh, actually it was, I don't know, three, four months ago. doesn't really matter, but my younger son goes to school very far away and we hear from him when things are not going well with him. Like if he needs to talk to us about something or is he struggling or missing home, that's when he'll call us. But when everything's good, he doesn't call us. And so, you know, I reach out to him and check in and ask if everything's okay. But on this particular day, I was at a family gathering. He was away at school and I knew that he was on, he's in a film production program and I knew that he was on a shoot that was going to be a long day for him. And when he's on these shoots, he doesn't really communicate with us. And so I was just, you know, happily at this party and my, um, my mother-in-law asked me if I had heard from him all day and she didn't say anything bad or that, you know, I should be worried about him. But then what I started to think, like I, I, I just said, no, I haven't, I haven't heard from him in a couple days actually, which wasn't really uncommon. But then my brain just took that to be all these things that weren't true. Like I started to think, oh, I haven't, I haven't talked to him in a couple days. And then I started, I immediately started texting him and then I went home from the party and I texted him again and again and again, and he wasn't responding to me. I texted my son, my other son who was someplace else. I, in my head was freaking out about this whole thing and he wasn't answering me. And I was looking for numbers about how I could call the person who was uh, responsible for his housing. So to see if they could go and check on him to make sure that he was okay. And I 
made all of this up in my head based on um, just somebody saying something to me. And it wasn't even that she said that to me. It was what she said it to me. And then I made it mean that I, I wasn't in contact with him enough. I hadn't heard from him in a while. Therefore, something must be wrong. And I got myself so worked up about this whole thing. And then eventually he did answer back. But it was, you know, it was later that night, but it wasn't on my terms that I could then relieve my own worry by, you know, stopping all these thoughts. But of course, I went to the worst case scenario. Something was wrong. And all that to say is that we take something, make it mean something that is not actually true. We don't check on the facts. And then we can put ourselves into a situation that is very, very stressful. And it isn't it isn't necessary. I'm not saying that you won't worry about your kids if you don't hear from them for a length of time, but this was just sort of an interesting um, proof to me about where my brain can go and it doesn't necessarily need to go there until I know some more of the facts. So here's some questions to ask ourselves and... Oh, I want to go back to one more thing before I get into the questions to ask ourselves is that what this makes me think of too is the idea of parents or caregivers waiting up for their kids to get home. So they, and I'm not, believe me, I'm not saying this is right or wrong, but this is a something I've seen come up in um, Facebook forums too, is that the idea that if you don't wait up for your children to get home at night, so you sit up and wait till they come home so that you can rest easy and know that they're okay before you go to sleep. Now, that's something I've wrestled with too, because I was doing that for a while. And then I realized I was losing sleep like I wasn't getting my sleep because they were they were allowed to come home later and I thought I needed as a good parent I needed to wait up until midnight till when they came in lock the door turn the lights off and I just started questioning that within myself like it wasn't good for me to not get the sleep Um, it wasn't helping them like me being awake at home was not making them more safe when they were out and I had trouble for a while just kind of deciding, okay, I'm going to go to bed at my regular bedtime and trust that if there is an issue that they will call me, I can make sure that my phone is, you know, uh, loud enough that it it will wake me up if there's something that I need to be concerned about. But it was just interesting how it took me a while to actually think that this was okay for me to actually go and meet my own needs by getting my own sleep and that it was okay and that it didn't mean that I was a bad parent because I wasn't staying up late at night because I had heard so about so many parents staying up late at night and waiting for their kids to get home. Again, if you do this, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. It just wasn't working for me. And you have to evaluate what works for you and this good parent, bad parent thing based on these actions that we take. It's, it's just interesting to investigate that. So what are the questions we can ask ourselves? So when I am doing, when I'm doing something that's not working, what I like to do is kind of go to the opposite. Now, I don't go to the opposite in that I say, like, 
I, t- I tell myself, don't worry about this. Everything's fine. Like your brain kind of doesn't believe something when you say, when you go to completely the opposite, like when you just tell yourself, like if, for example, if you're worrying about some certain scenario and then you tell your brain says, oh, don't worry, that could never happen. And it's not actually true because true, the truth is, is that thing, anything could happen. So your brain knows that doesn't quite believe it and will sort of argue against that reasoning. But when you put it in the form of a question and take it to the opposite, it helps to open your brain up a little bit more. So when you're worrying about something, you could say to yourself, why should I not be worried about this? And that opens up some possibility for your brain to come up with some better answers and just give you some more evidence and explore the possibility that not all of the worst case scenarios will definitely happen. And you can also ask it in another way. What if I wasn't worried about this? What would I be doing? The other thing that's been helpful for me is to notice kind of in the history of my life or in the recent history For example, lately when I wake up and I think about what I'm worried about in the morning and then I go through the day and then the things that I was worried about happen, I was able to handle them. At the end of the day, I can remind myself that I was really worried about that this morning and then when that thing came up, I was able to handle it. So you have to give your brain some evidence to the contrary sort of of what you're doing. And you have to keep reminding your brain and saying, no, it's okay. I know you're worried about this, but the recent history of what I've been doing has shown me that the things that have come up, I have been able to handle it. Notice I'm not saying, stop worrying. Don't worry. You're being ridiculous. That's not what you want to say to your brain. You just want to say, ah, yeah, I hear you. That's your habit. When I wake up, my brain finds the things to worry about. I've got to, when I get to that point in the day, I will, I, I have some evidence that shows me I've been able to handle this. And then the other thing that I thought of more recently is because worrying is a habit, I tried to think of it in terms of how we cope with other uncomfortable emotions and feelings with other habits. So I started thinking about for people who smoke cigarettes because I work with a lot of people who smoke. And I also started to think about myself, which another habit of mine is when I'm uh, feeling uncomfortable, I'll grab food, I'll grab chocolate, I'll grab chips. So what I was thinking about with worrying too is that what if that wasn't available to you? So what I mean by this is, for example, you're maybe on an air, uh, a flight and you don't have a cigarette with you and you really are having a craving for that cigarette and you don't have it available to you, what would you do instead? Like how would you manage that if that wasn't available to you in that time? And also you're just in the house and you have an uncomfortable emotion, an an uncomfortable emotion, which then you don't have chocolate in the house or you don't have chips in the house. And that's your way to kind of sit with that emotion that you're feeling. So what if worrying 
as the habit that you pick up, much the same way that you pick up a cigarette or pick up a you know, piece of chocolate or chips, what if that worrying was not available to you? What would the getting a little garbled, what would you do instead? So instead of worrying, you would likely have to sit with the emotion and get curious about it. And instead of worrying about it, you could ask yourself, what is the feeling I'm feeling right now? And oftentimes what it is, is fear or some form of that. And it's coming from a thought you're having about the situation. And then you can understand a little bit more about what's going on prior to getting to that point of the worrying. So just think of it in those terms. It's just a question to ask yourself. Um, What is something else I could do that's not worrying that is available to me right now? And another tool that I recently came upon that I found very helpful is the idea of a worry container. So just visualizing for yourself kind of a jar, a beautiful container, um, something that can contain your worrying. So you can just decide whatever it is that you're worrying about to sort of metaphorically put it in this jar and seal it up and leave it for now and just set it to the side and know that it's there to come back to later, but we can't always be functioning well if we're having circular thoughts going around in our head. So if you sort of put the worries aside, visualize it. The other thing you can do is another form of a worry container is you can write your worry on paper. You can also, if you are a person who has some sort of faith, you can let you know, whatever you, your uh, spirit or whatever, you know, whatever you use, you can use prayer to say, um, to put the worry into that form for a while and to let it be dealt with in that way. And you can always come back to it later. It is always available to you. And that's the thing about worrying is that You know, we talk about cigarettes or chocolate or chips. Sometimes those aren't available to you. But worry, that's what makes it so sneaky and tricky is that it's always available to you. So you have to find a way to work with it, manage it. So I hope that was helpful. And I would love to hear uh, if you have any comments about the podcast. And I would love it if you know somebody who worries a lot if you would share this with them. And also if you are enjoying this podcast, if you would follow it, that really helps. And also if you would rate or review it, any rating is fine. Just knowing that, you know, you're listening is super helpful. Obviously, if you rated a five star, I would be so grateful. And if you've listened to the podcast till the end, I'm so thankful that you've given your time to listen to this and just to listen what I have to to what I have to say and really hoping that it is helpful for you. So, I will see you next time. Bye.